All right. Well, welcome back to another Rest, Eat, Move podcast. Today, we're going to talk about move. It's been a while since we've talked about move specifically. We're going to talk about motion creates positive emotion, how um, movement is 1.5 times more effective than antidepressant medications, therapy, uh, doesn't cure everything. But what we're going to talk about is how motion really does create positive emotion in the mind and the body and um, probably your favorite topic to talk about. It was interesting. I was speaking this week and on the webinar, it kept getting the, the order wrong, like sleep, move, you know, whatever. <laughs> move, sleep, rest. Yeah. So I said, well, there's a kind of a sequence. We've been talking about resting, how you eat. And then one of the, one of the greatest pills you could take would be, if you could put it in a bottle, would be movement. So if we could put movement in a bottle, I think it'd be the most prescribed medication in the world. What would you put in the bottle though? Well, there's medication. There's now they're taking, you can take pills now for movement that actually. Yeah. But what, what would you put it? What's the chemicals that you're putting in the body? Something endorphins. The body speed up. So it's going to raise your heart rate up. But when I was listening to, I'm I'm trying to think it was a Freakonomics podcast or one of them back in the day. It was very interesting. I think it was Freakonomics, but they were talking about that the science was you can now take a pill to give you those training effects from movement. And one would be increased heart rate and blood pressure, and really a lot of the typical things that would happen when you move your body. But I kept getting it like, how oh, they're really missing the whole point of movement is what it does for the mind. And so it was all about the physiological changes of movement. But really what we want to talk about today is you know, in my opinion, the number one benefit of moving your body is what it does for my mind. It washes the brain. All right. So motion creates positive emotion. Um, you know, as I'm raising three kids, one of the things that you try to do is you try to in, enforce their effort versus the outcome. So if, if you're talking about, and there's a lot of studies, um, I think it's Dr. Carol Dwyer wrote the the book, A Mindset, but instead of saying, wow, you're so smart, you say, wow, you did a really good job like preparing, practicing, and you're, you're encouraging that. And so when you think about movement and if we can just replicate the results, I don't think it's going to get us to where we want to go because the pursuit, the, the effort, the, from point A to Z is where all the magic is. It's not necessarily Z. So talk about that. When, when you think about the physical benefits of movement, great heart rate, blood pressure, muscles, endurance, but what about the mental aspects? And I don't think any pill is going to give you those elements. Well, you and I both, when we're doing presentations, we have a slide and a slide is kind of a segue into move, but we don't put down exercise. We put the word move. And so I'll ask the audience, what's the difference between exercise and move? And then many people have the, the thought that exercise is hard and difficult and not a fun and whatever versus changing your mindset around moving your body every day. So the first thing we try to do is get people to think about the mindset of moving daily. And again, back to, you don't need to do a lot, but if you have the mindset, I'm going to move every day, the major benefit is going to be doing to the mind that emotion. And so if we're trying to get people to have better emotion, whether it's um, better mood, whatever it might be, energy, all that stuff comes from moving the body. And then the other thing too is the Sidebar is I'm going to probably sleep better. I'm going to have better digestion. 
overall health, all that stuff that follows with that. But th- that's the big thing for most people because about 85% of American population does not intentionally move their body on a daily basis. And so that's that's a big problem. So if we could really get the whole, you know, the whole world to start moving more consistently, intentionally, you're going to see it help so many different things. And I, nobody's ever disappointed when they move their body. You're like, oh, I wish I would not move my body. But many people, like, I, they're not in the moment. You know, there's a lot of problems like I got every, everything else to do. I got laundry to do. I got to go to work. I got to go to dry cleaners. I got to do whatever it might be. But they're thinking about everything. But the So that's the thing for me. Whenever I, I'm having a challenging day, I always have to have that self-talk that if I just move my body for a little bit, I'm going to feel better. Yeah, I think I wrote a couple of things down. So 85% of the population doesn't move, so they're not moving enough. And then I would say there's a part of the, that 15% that moves way too much, too hard, too red line. There's, they're chasing something, running from something, trying to out-train something. I don't know what that percentage is. So we're talking about a small percentage that's kind of doing it not too hot, not too cold, just about right. But at the end of the day, we're, we all want to move in the future. And I think we all want to have good emotions, have a good mood. And again, I'll repeat this, you know, this is, this is, I wouldn't call it common knowledge, but this is out there for the public to know that we now know that exercise is 1.5 times more effective than a prescription or therapy for changing your mood. Now, I'm not talking about mental health disease and things that need really some extreme therapy or medications for. I'm talking about the general population that's struggling with anxiety and depression and mood and energy and one four, five point times more effective. Um, and it might be something that we have to look at as a, a prescription approach to, to handling some of these issues. Because if our motion creates positive emotion, so when you get someone up moving or your kids are playing, they're laughing, they're smiling, they're sweating, they're working hard. There's something in intertwined in that that you can't just pluck out. So if I struggle to learn how to do a movement pattern, there's something getting wired in the brain that actually gets you in this flow state versus this anticipatory or this dwelling on the past that I think a lot of us can fall victim to because we're not we're not doing physical labor anymore. When I mow the lawn, you can kind of get lost in the task of doing the physical activity. Um, now I have a riding lawnmower. Now my lawn's so big, but doing the mulch, doing the yard work, doing physical labor, gosh, there's there's something very powerful about that. And I think for people that do do physical labor, they would agree they feel good doing physical labor. And if they do it too much, they get exhausted. But my, my point is, is as we get into this knowledge worker that's just in front of a computer it has everything at their fingertips. I don't think we do some of these movement patterns that we're designed to do that can flush the mind, can get us to feel better. And, and I think that's where it's so important that we think about movement differently, but really what we're ultimately saying, we got to think about exercise differently too, because we're not always going to be able to just move on a, do a rock climbing or a hike or and that's where exercise can really fit into somebody's lifestyle of structure to create some of these these rituals. Well, I think you mentioned earlier about like a prescription. And if you think about 
if you really analyze a lot of people, let's just say that they're type A, maybe they have a lot of anxiety. Many times their exercise is too intense. If they're exercising. Yeah. So if they do move their body regularly, it's, you know, they think they got to go over like crazy. They redline, it's too intense. And reality is that person needs to move, but they need to do more of more relaxation type movements, mm-hmm. more stretching, more restorative movements and things like that. So when I have somebody that I really set back with, and again, nothing wrong with getting after it here and there, but if this is how you're wired, we need to make sure we're plugging in some movements that are not so intense. And then the other person that can't get out of bed in the morning because they just don't feel like getting out of bed in the morning, that person we need to get after it a little bit more. So again, it can really be prescriptive because when you start doing that, then you start really getting the benefits of that's what movement's all about because it... And, and I've seen so much before, you know, way back in the day, they had the advertisement of the of the machine that cost like $17,000, and you only had to be on it for four minutes. But it was so intense. It was advertised in every magazine. People bought it like crazy. But the whole, it missed the whole point. The whole, missed, the whole benefit of moving your body is not the high intensity, what it's doing for my anaerobic system and cardiovascular system and everything else. It's really understanding the benefit of that. So I think that's the... I think that's where people get it wrong sometimes when they think about exercise. It's it's really what it does for your mind. Yeah, I mean, there there's something about sweating, like actual intensity that's hard enough that really puts you into this place of, wow, this, this is actually a little bit of stress on the body that puts you in more, I would say, resilient mindset. When you're... And we've seen this where people are trying to exercise, they've been told to exercise, but they're just kind of phoning it in or following what someone's telling them. And they're not, they're just going through the motions. That doesn't work either. Is it better than nothing? Sure. But it's, it's not. So when you compare it to say, I still don't feel like I should, there is some effort that has to be made to round that corner. So if you're stuck in bed, probably the best thing that we can do is really get you uncomfortable yeah, doing something where right. maybe you're so winded you have to stop or maybe you feel like you've gone from that aerobic to anaerobic and you're almost sick to your stomach that is actually somewhat of a pos- you know powerful adaptation that has to happen and that's where i think we miss the boat it's not just popping a pill right. and it works you do have to do some action you can't just you to put some effort into it. And then again, it's like putting your car in the garage and putting the accelerator down. You're going to burn it out. That's And when you move the body, that's what you're using. You're using all sorts of different hormones to allow the body to adapt and, and, and grow and benefit and everything else. So there's so many wonderful things about moving the body. But I always step back and say, why are we not moving the body? And I wrote in my Rusty Move book, you know, what holds people back? And so I have basically five of them. The first one is values and beliefs. And I sit down, in fact, I had a couple of clients yesterday and I sit down with this. Sometimes they get sideways and they can't get it in, but people value their health, but they believe they need to move an hour, they need to get in the gym, whatever. So that doesn't line up. They do value their health and why aren't they moving their body five or 10 minutes a day? So the values are not lining up with the beliefs. Every, everybody wants to feel good but they believe they're going to have to sacrifice they, they, or what they, they used to do push-ups and pull-ups and kill themselves and sprint and get on the treadmill for an hour. The list goes on. So I always ask, you know, we talk a lot about beliefs. I want to know what their beliefs are and I want to know what their values are around that. And then it's funny when you start 
bring these up, what people start to tell you. So you're not asking people to change their values necessarily because there are, those are hard to change. No, I'm asking them already. Do you value your health? Oh yeah, I really value my health. Do you value your ability to move? Yeah. Oh yeah. I really value my ability to move. Okay. So how do you continue the value of your health and you know, you, how do we, how do we improve that? Well, we got to move. Well, what's your beliefs around movement? Well, you know, I'm not a real, I don't really like exercise. Well, why not? Well, I just don't have a lot of time and you can see how this starts to roll. Yeah. So, so comfortable. I don't like to do strength training. I don't like to hurt. I don't like to do whatever. Yeah. So that's, a, I think that's a key it's a pieces. So when you start out with people, you start out, I want to know what your values are. Well, let's pause there for a second because one of the things I wanted to point out is I, I threw out this stat that sometimes can be just stats and people are probably listening, thinking 1.5 times more effective. That, that's a powerful statement, but let's go a little bit deeper into why. So when you exercise regularly, why does it ease anxiety and depression? Well, one of the reasons is it releases feel-good endorphins. You know, these are these are chemicals, these are uh, hormones. And then we have these natural cannabis-like chemicals in the body too. And so as we're thinking about CBD and THC and the increase of that, you have these endogenous cannab- uh, cannabinoids that are natural brain chemicals that can enhance the sense of well-being. So when you, when you take CBD or THC, you know, you f- have this sense of well-being or this feel-good. Well, exercise actually can trigger those too. So when we think about values, the values is I want to feel good. I want to feel good. The belief is I don't feel good. But if I take this, I feel good. And so that's where we sometimes can get caught up into this. This is the only way. Or I've done exercise once and I didn't like it. We got to step back and say, well, we didn't do everything. And what is what is really the body designed to do? It's designed to move. So again, go back to the value and belief. I'll ask my clients, do you value sleep? I do. So how do you think you're going to get a better night of sleep? Well, probably one of the greatest ways to help you sleep better is to move throughout the day. If you're not moving, again, back to the car in the garage with the accelerator on. The second thing is is the focus on the now. So many people, when they get into a movement plan, they're not in the moment. They're thinking about, you know, what do they got to do tonight? What do they got to do tomorrow? They're not really getting the amazing benefit. So when I hear people talking about taking this pill or doing that or the, the high-intensity machine that you do for four minutes, you're not into the now. I, you know, I love that one. Um, I don't, when I, the, 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 <laughs> the visual cue I use for that is Willy Wonka and uh, the Golden Goose. I don't know if anybody gets it, but the point is she wants the golden goose now and she gets everything she wants and she wants it now. And then she sits on the scale and she's a bad, she's a bad egg. We're, we're, I, I probably the most, if you're saying, what are the five issues? I would say that I'm the worst at number two. I think we all are struggling with that. You know, I got to pick up the kids. I got to get work done. And so where am I going to fit it in? And, um, but that's the benefit sometimes of play the benefit of play. And so when people don't have structured, organized lifestyle habits around play, you're not going to just fall into it in our world. You know, the, the world is not set up to just stumble into playing. You right. have to, so that's the thing we always try to think about is like, okay, how do I sit down? So I, I, I'll ask my clients, when you move your body, are you, are you thinking about everything else or are you in the now? 
and then I'll ask them about play and whatever. And they're like, I never thought of it that way. I said, because like today we played paddle ball, you know, you like, you like to play pickleball, golf, the list goes on. And we like to do that. When I'm snow skiing, you know, I don't listen to headphones. I used to, but I love to be skiing and just listening and being in the now, you know, think about everything around me and everything else. So I think that's the big thing when you, you know, can you get people to, I remember training your grandfather, you know, and we'd be in the gym and he'd go, I'm already done. I'm already done. I'm already done. I go, dad, what do you, I, I went over and got a drink for two seconds. You're not all done. But he was always way ahead because he just wanted to get through it. Yeah. Or he wasn't in the now. And the number three is knowledge. I truly believe people don't have a clue what they're doing. Let me go back to the now real quick. Here's here's something I noticed and, and actually I heard. I did this sound bath um, meditation a couple weeks back. And, and what a sound bath is, if you don't know, it's, it's music that kind of gets you into this calming state sometimes it can take you to an irritating state that you're trying to sit with so think about the most annoying sound in the world can you handle that so it's a combination of these things so it's this woman playing these instruments and singing it's incredible and then her partner a gentleman's playing this this other instrument kind of like a guitar that's very soothing in a very soothing environment where you're laying on a mat and you're just kind of chilling out for the first four or five minutes you're uncomfortable because your body's saying, okay, this is enough, great. And then you hit kind of that that area that you're supposed to hit where you start to actually get into deep relaxation. Now, one of the things that I heard, when people stretch, you know, you see the typical stretch, touch the toes, take the arm across the thing. You might stretch the muscle. You might loosen up. But we now know 60 seconds to three minutes of a deep stretch actually gets you into starting to release some of these hormones. So one of the things that I, if you're listening, saying, well, you know, this motion and positive emotion, here's what I want you to practice. Maybe for five minutes next time you're in the gym, hold a stretch for three minutes. And you're going to find that maybe 30 seconds, it starts to get annoying, difficult. But you, you set an intention that you're going to do three minutes, five minutes. And once you get to that two minutes, five minutes, you start to relax. And that's, that's what I want you to think about, about the now is we got to stay present sometimes in those movement patterns. And it actually is going to start to show the mind that you're, you're in control of your thoughts, your emotions. And to me, that's, that's something that I've really been focused on lately because I don't have a ton of time. And if I say I got to do 15 things in a short amount of time, it's hard to be in the now, but if I say I got to do two things, then all of a sudden, somehow I, I've created more time, it feels like. I'm not in a hurry. Yeah, and again, back to the knowledge, you're looking at, like, hey, I'm doing less, you know, which creates more. And so, you know, like many times we have, I had um, a woman I was training yesterday, and we did a restorative stretches against the wall. So she's laying on her back, working on her hips, and she said to me, wow, these stretches are very restorative and I had her work on her breath and now she was just completely relaxed. So, so getting in the now is really, and that's why play is so important, but also when you're in the gym, it's actually feeling the body, that's the nervous system, feeling the muscles working. You're teaching people that. So again, back to being in the now, which leads into the knowledge, which is number, number three, you know, and then you ask them questions, you know, do you understand this and body alignment, posture and reps and sets and range of motion and resistance and the list goes on. So the goal is to help people understand 
you know, many people believe the best way to lose weight till today is cardiovascular exercise, and that's completely false. So, so knowledge can be anything that you want it to be. You want to go so deep in the weeds and understand uh, physiologically what's happening, you can. And there's a lot of people that really can go deep. And then there's people that say, I don't want to know, but you got to know enough. You got to know enough knowledge. To- yeah. And so when I wrote the Rusty Vu book, for example, in the cardiovascular se- section, you know, I got into the Krebs cycle and anaerobic threshold. VO2 max. Yeah. And VO2 max. And so, you know, stuff that, but, but then again, some people want to know more about that. Some people when they get into the whole, you know, strength training, you know, I have an 89 day training program that's very specific, but Again, wherever you are in your journey with this, knowledge is a big, it's a big area because the goal is you want to have the optimal results by what you're, what you're doing. Now, here, here's a key, I would say, caveat here. You know, knowledge is sandwiched in between here. And sometimes people say, well, I know that. And, you know, think about some of these podcasts or some of these uh, programs that people are consuming, like all-time, long-form. I think we know a lot more. And sometimes you need knowledge, but it's what you do with that knowledge. It's it's yeah. actually yeah, wisdom. It's not what you know and put into practice. It's what you, it's what you're doing, and and also the knowledge to know the, I would call it the, the gray area. So if we know black and white VO2 max, and all you're trying to do is like get these numbers on your whoop to line up, sometimes I think that can be too rigid. So knowledge can also be practical. And, what well, and again, a lot of the wearables today, like they'll tell you you're in this, you're getting this much, you know, strain or whatever it might be. And reality is that's training wheels. It's okay, but there's nothing better to help you start recognizing. You know, when I, when I have some, some of my clients that are really more in tune, I'll ask them, do you know what your heart rate is right now? And most of them can get an idea within about five to 10 beats exactly where they're at. Cause they, they're aware, you know, you know, Dr. Phil used to say, you know, What's your big What's your big toe doing on your right foot? Well, until you start focusing on that. So when people are really getting into knowledge, many times, especially in the when they're in the doing strength training, they're they're not they've never been taught to how to plug the brain into the muscle, and that's the nervous system. And so I used to say to my class, "Do you feel this?" They're like, "No, I feel it over here." And I'm like, well, what, "What What are we doing? We're not doing that." So, but that's where they felt it. And then eventually as they learn, they learn how to scapular retract, they learn the posture, they learned all that stuff, but it, it took some time. So, so that's just the awareness, the knowledge of change. And then number four is where everybody gets it wrong is time. You don't need much time. And so if you're listening to this or watching this today, just recognize movement as compound interest. If you don't have a lot of time, you don't need a lot of time. You just need to be intentional about moving your body. And if you do this for five minutes, you're probably going to go to eight minutes because the hardest part about movement is just getting started. But don't let time get in your way. Do not let time get in your way. Some days you'll have more time. Some days you'll have less time. But you're really going to focus on every day I'm going to try to move my body for five minutes. And if you do that every day, you're probably going to move for more than that. And even if you don't have even even five minutes, do you have two minutes? You know, we talk about restorative stretches. Now we're back to the knowledge. What do you? What can you do in this little time frame? But don't get, don't get hamstrung that I can't do X because I don't have thirty minutes to an hour or whatever. I used to think that way. If I don't have an hour, I don't have time today. But I sure don't anymore. And the last one, number five, is enjoyment. This, it's like going from you know 
extrinsic motivation. I know I need to move my body, do all that, but really starting to find activities you enjoy because now we're moving into the intrinsic motivation. Do it because you want to, not because you have to. I'm not counting the reps. I'm not counting the sets. I'm not counting, oh gosh, I'm done in 10 minutes. I'm actually enjoying the process and that's not easy to do. That takes time. But those are the big ones. That's kind of what we talked about uh, at the beginning too. It's so like, we can take a pill and we can talk about the physical benefits, but there's more to it. And once you find that intrinsic enjoyable enjoyableness about the movement, you're going to get so many different benefits, long-term, short-term, uh, in the moment, it's going to wash your brain. Then next thing you know, you're going to feel better and it's just going to create a, a better nervous system. Well, and you know, you're, you're a high level golfer. And so many times we'll try to find activities that people really enjoy doing. Hey, I really like to play golf. Okay, so let's design a movement plan that will, you know, enhance your, you know, play on the golf course or tennis or pickleball or whatever it is. And I think people get excited about that. Now they're training for something or they maybe have a 5K coming up or they may have a walk coming up or maybe they're competing in a triathlon or they're doing a swim activity or maybe they're just uh, going to go skiing. You know, your mom and I went up to the Upper Peninsula a couple weeks ago and all these these buses were following us around and there were seniors, but many of the seniors couldn't move to get the vistas that we were looking at. So there's lots of ways to... When you say a senior, I mean, aren't you a senior? <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's I had, interesting. I had to throw that uh, in there. John O'Leary and I were playing pickleball the other day and for some reason, these two young guys were coming up and they wanted to know if we wanted to play with them and something, something. And one thing led to another and said, yeah, you want to take the, onto the Medicare guys? And they're like, you guys are in Medicare? You know, like, it's like we're 900 years old. Well, you are. So, so, so the answer, of course, we're, we're seniors. In fact, I turned 66 and a few You're going to get some but, discounts. But the goal is to, again, think about why am I moving and, you know, all the benefits and constantly tell yourself about the benefits. Because sometimes people say all the time, you just love to exercise. You love to move. Not all the time. Sometimes I'm tired. But then I have this self-talk that if I just move my body for five minutes, how great I'm going to feel. Well, here's the thing. You, you do. You love the ability to move. Yes. I, I think people miss that point. You know, everybody complains about they can't move, but they never complain that they didn't choose to move. So it's a choice. It's a, We're all dealt different hands and different motivators and hand-eye coordination and you know, I watched the kids play and different kids have different skill levels and you could see how they could get deterred from playing sports or, but we do choose, we choose how much we move. We choose how we believe in movement. Um, some of it happens, but we can also at this moment choose to say, huh, let's see if I can change my, you know, emotions. Let's see if I can change how my body feels and how my body looks and and try to find something in that enjoyable. And I think this five-step process of, number one, you got to value it. If you don't feel like you value it, we can't go to two, three, four, or five. Well, the other thing, too, if I could go back, and you could kind of paint a canvas here, if if you could really go back in time, like especially in grade school, you know, pretty much all the kids are moving, and they're laughing, and they're on the playground. If you just put a camera out there. All of them. All of them are moving. Mm -hmm. You know, they're on the monkey bars or you know, jump and roll, they're playing with a ball or whatever. But then slowly over time, things start to transition. Now we get, again, it's not like we 
king of competition because we want that. But then if you're not good at something, you know, I remember, you know, we'd play in, you know, in grade school and we played kickball and some of the kids didn't run out, get up in line in the kickball because they weren't good at kickball. So then over time, they lose their confidence. But there's nothing better than getting into, that's why I love the, you know, the president's physical fitness competition way back in the day because it wasn't really about games. It was a competition about yourself. You know, can you throw a ball? Can you hang from a bar? Can you do pull-ups, push-ups, broad jump, run, whatever? But I think that's where we got to go back and say, okay, at a young age, if we're really trying to talk about mental health and physical health and obesity and type 2 diabetes, whatever, we got to get our young people to move the rest of their life. Not like, oh, I'm moving. I, I, get, I can't tell you how many times I get people to say this. You know, I played this in high school and I played this in college and I don't do that anymore. What? Why? Why did that change? I listened to ESPN and I'm listening to some of these announcers and they used to be pro football players and now they don't move anymore. I'm like, why? So, to me, they they they're getting it wrong of the intensity, the the hard, the difficult, whatever. Reality is, movement should be joyful. It should be feeling great. There's all sorts of benefits to that. And there's don't get me wrong, you can get after it in the gym, and I've done that. But the same time is really the joy of moving your body. I think it's a gift to everybody. It's a gift you give yourself. All right, so let's let's do a little bit of speed. Wrap this this up because I think we we hit the point that mo- motion can be powerful, and it's gonna change. It's gonna change your emotions if you if you allow it to. What are you seeing right now as you go into the gym um, that you just can't stand and 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 really would love to create better knowledge around if they asked you a good question? Well, again, there's lots of, there's lots of reasons why people are doing lots of, lots of things. But, you know, I always add, this, this is what I wrote in my book. This is on two thir- 223, but on a one to 10 scale, this is what I ask my clients. How would you rate your current fitness level? And how important is movement in your life? I kind of ask the question right from the beginning. And they'll tell me on a 1 to 10 scale. And then I'll ask them, why do you think that? And some generally will generally underestimate or some will overestimate. So I'll find out that real, you know, are they currently moving their body on a daily basis? They'll, they'll answer that right away. And generally they'll say, no, I'm not moving daily. I might move a couple times a week, but I'm not moving daily. And then if they're moving their body daily, you know, or they're not hold, moving their body daily, what's holding them back. So again, we go back to the five things that what's holding them back. And so now I start really getting a good idea of where we're going. And then do they have enough space in their life to move? And this is really uncovers a lot. No, I don't have the time. Well, the average person in the United States today is on six hours of their their phone. So let's let's talk about a little bit about that and their time and their schedule and whatever. And then I ask them, what do they want to accomplish and what are some of their goals? And now it's moving into them starting to go, hmm, here comes the self-awareness that you mean to tell me, and that's what I always hear, you mean to tell me, I'm here to tell you, you don't need to spend a half hour, you don't need 45 minutes, you don't need to do that. But then I also create some self-awareness. Can you get on the floor? You know, what's your hips look like? Can you hang from a bar? can't do that. So now we create some awareness like, okay, we need to get after this if I want to continue to move, which that that's what they say. So 
I love doing that at the very beginning and the whole movement section is asking these questions and they start uncovering really what they want. And now it's it's their plan, it's not my plan. So I, I, I just want to share that with everybody that that's something you want to ask yourself if some of those questions and if you are moving where you want to be, if you're not moving, and the, you know this all the time, somebody has a knee problem. I ran into a guy the other day at the health club and he hasn't played golf anymore because he's got a back issue. And, you know, I don't want to be that guy, but I want to say, wow, there's so many wonderful things you could do back to knowledge that you could allow you to move. Because the human body, as we all agree, has amazing ability to heal and self-correct if you get it in the right position. So that's the thing I think I would ask people in the gym is like, why are they putting seven leg, seven plates on each side of the leg press with horrible form? All right, so he finally got back to my question. You can tell that he likes to talk about movement. Let, let, give me some juice because I want, I want the listeners, because this is real life. You know, There's influencers on social media with 10 million followers that are teaching incorrect form and function and a bunch of garbage. So you got to address what actually is being seen. So back to the original question, and I think that was uh, very valuable what you just shared, but what do you see in that just is, is not good? Well, okay, in cardio, people are spending way too much time doing cardio. Number one, you can't out-exercise a bad diet. Cardio is a very ineffective way to And what's that going to do to them? They're going to get the body of alignment. Just keep going down the path. So now their body's out of alignment, and you're just going to reinforce and get tighter muscles and, you know, imbalance going on. So, again, I'm always going to go back to... So the range of motion is going to decrease. and. But I'll go back to way back in the day. I like, hey, how much time are you doing cardio? 45 minutes to an hour. What do you do? Oh, I do the track. Oh, okay. Why do you do the track for so long? Well, it helps me my, you know. So then I'll have them climb the stairs for, you know, a minute and a half, two minutes, and they can't even they, they can't even talk. They're completely out of breath. They're like, wow. They're getting comfortable yeah, doing something that. No training, very little training effect. Yeah, training effect. So they're getting very little training effect. No adaptation. Kill them. But I'm just sharing with them that, wow, what if we just did some calisthenics? We did that for five minutes. All right, so cardio. Too much cardio gets the body out of alignment. What else? When you look at strength training, I mean, there's no posture in alignment. You would never do that to your car. So when you're in the gym, if you can't handle the alignment, your intensity is too high. Back to the leg press. If you can't maintain extension in your lower back doing a leg press and it's hollowing out the back of the pad in the leg press, you're completely in flexion, you're killing your lower back. So it looks good, on, but you have no range of motion. And then, again, back to posture and alignment. If you can't do a lat pull down with your elbows going directly to the floor, then you're, you're not using your lats. You're using everything, your rotator cuff, you're using your biceps. So the first thing I try to get people to do is now, like, what am I trying to accomplish? So now now, now injury is going to come in. And then you look at a perfect push-up. You know, we start with a modified push-up. But when you look at a perfect push-up, again, that's like a plank on steroids. You don't need to do planks if you're doing a perfect push-up. But then you see a push-up that shoulders are just getting crushed because there's no scapular retraction. So we can go on and on about this, and we will do it in the future, but that's what I see in the gym. And sometimes I just don't, I'm like, well, I just want to come over and tap him on the shoulder. What are you trying to accomplish here? Because I can help you. Yeah. So that, that's what, that's at the end of the day. What are you trying to accomplish? Um, I think what you're ultimately seeing when you do see people in the gym, 
is the intensity is just one direction and not, you know, it's like, it's like a baseball pitcher. If all they throw is the smoke, you're going to learn how to throw, you're going to thro- learn how to hit that. So you need the change up. You need the balance. You need the, and again, back to that now that we talked about is sometimes mixing it up where, where you're the most uncomfortable is probably where you need to spend the most. And one other thing, just real quickly here, the reason that we did a bunch of photos in the Rusty Moo book is that I truly believe, doesn't matter what age, people do not have, they're not doing enough restorative movements. And so as we age, we start losing mobility, flexibility in the fingers and the hands and the wrists and the elbows. And then we go to the feet and the ankles and whatever. And so that's the stuff that I think more people need to spend a little more time on. And they spend very little time on that. And so when I do different movements with them, I show, instantly show them they de- their limiting factor is X because they're not doing that kind of stuff. So why are we putting all this weight on? I remember watching, you know, Dr. Squat, Fred Hatfield, way back in the day in Chicago, and he was the first, you know, man to squat 1,000 pounds. And the guy's just a super smart guy, PhD. And I watched him walk away at like in his mid-50s, and he could barely move. I thought to myself, wow, here's a guy, one of the strongest guys in the world squatting, but he can't move. Again, probably beliefs, beliefs that I can, if I push more weight, you know, whether it's ego or... But as people age, as we all age, we want to feel good. We have less injuries. We want to move better. That's where movement comes in. And then as... Well, I think what we're going to see... Here's what we're going to see is as as exercise is becoming more popular for the folks that are exercising, um, what's the sex appeal? Look good, push the weight. What we're going to forget about, though, that I, I'm seeing... Because when you're young, you can do whatever you want. It's, we're going to live long. So you might look good 40s, 50s, and then all of a sudden you're like, wow, I'm still bench pre- or I'm still squatting with the bar behind my neck, and now I got some disc issues at 60. Still got 30 years left. Yeah, again, well, just touch on that real quickly. Nobody should be ever doing a barbell <laughs> bench press, and I've done this forever. Once you hit 40... No more barbell bench press. Number two, no more barbell squats. No more. If you're, again, we I get it. We worked with a bunch of athletes, but the, that's a no-no. Once you hit 40 for both, both of those. But tell them why. Well, when you use a bar, when you, you, it's called adduction. So when you take your hands and put them together, that's called adduction. And the chest does horizontal adduction to 90 degrees. So that means your elbow can't pass your shoulder line. If it does, then you're going to, basically impinge, put more pressure in the shoulder. Number two, as I take a barbell and I try to come up, there's nowhere for the elbows to adduct. So the adduction occurs in the shoulder. So, so here, listen to this. Or They make these grips now. So you put them on the barbell. And as you go down, they go out. And as you come in, they come in. And, you know, so we're going to get technology and all those things. But your point, your point is. Wait, stop for a minute. So why in the heck wouldn't you just do a dumbbell? Well, <laughs> because then back to the guy that wants to squat a thousand pounds because it's the number, it's the look, okay, it's the weights on the thing. Then I've done. I mean, I'm stu- I've done 140 pound dumbbells. Now you got them. Now you got them excited. But the point of it is, is like, what am I trying to accomplish? Back right. to what we said. If you looked at a squat again, if you put a bar on your back, that bar from gravity goes straight down. 
Well, it can't go straight down because you have to support the bar. So you're leaning forward, your butt's going back. All you're doing is taking your facet and just crushing them. Mm-hmm. So if I want to add more weight, then I could use dumbbells again or whatever I want to do. But for many people, just handle it again. Body weight. What, what what's the intention? Is the intention what's to be the world record squatter? You're going to squat, right? Right. If, if you're, you're going to do a power a, lift, if and I've had bench press guys. You know, I had the Michigan State champ bench presser. He has to bench press. That's what he's doing. Or if you're in college and you're in a combine, you're doing a barbell bench press. But once you start hitting about 30, 35, 40, get rid of the bars, everybody. You know, you can do a bar. We use bars all the time, but not for a chest press or bench press and not for a squat. Nice. All right. As we, I think this is good and I think we'll do a part two. But uh, one last thing here, you said the number one thing we're talking about today is what it does for your mind. Motion creates positive emotion. And I, I really believe that in our world, we get this wrong. We, it's always about the look of the body and the, all the stuff that we're talking about. I get that. But the bottom line is, what does it do for your mind? Well, we get it wrong in two ways. The reason why we talk about rest, eat, move is got to get some things right before you just think that you're going to out-train everything. Number two is we focus on time. Okay? And so... It's the same thing with the look over the feel. If you focus on energy before time, all of a sudden you get a ton more time. If you focus on how you feel, you now have a repeatable, scalable, sustainable look. You know, I've seen you when you competed. It's great look, not sustainable. It's nice to achieve it, create that awareness in both directions. I've seen, I've seen when you let it go for for a while too that's not a direction you want to be either so i think i think we if we reframe it of i want to feel real good you will look real good and and i had a i had a couple in this last weekend just beautiful people from texas and um this the 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 last day uh the thermostat wasn't great in the hotel and they didn't get really a great night of sleep and they were tired in the morning and so we came in and you know, we're wrapping it up. We only had about three or four hours more to go. But I said, I said, let's do this. Let's do some restorative movements. And we got her on the ground and we started doing some mobility, flexibility stuff and worked on her breath and just really relaxing movements. And she said, I feel so good. That's where movements can come in. We don't have to always think about as a high intensity, but movement can change so much your state, your mood, your energy, everything that goes with that. And I think that's the point today is that movement is magical and it really what it does for the brain and relaxes the mind, relaxes the body, improves digestion, helps you sleep, obviously can make the body look great, connective tissue, muscles, heart, all that kind of stuff. But the really main benefit is what it does for my mind. And in your wearable is not going to tell, unfortunately, tell you that. They're going to tell you how many no. calories you burn, but they're right. not going to tell you, uh, yes. oh, wow, you just recharged your battery. <laughs> um, so, yeah, let's do a part two. Uh, motion creates positive emotion. You know, if you're going to take something away from this, 1.5 times more effective than pharmaceuticals and therapy. Pharmaceuticals and therapy, specifically therapy, uh, can be a tremendous uh you know, add on and I believe in it. What we have to tap into is what we've been given that if we just choose to move our body in a way that we can eventually find something we enjoy, uh, it's magical. 
So we'll see you again next time. We're going to do part two, Motion Creates Positive Emotion. Have a great week.